Hello, this is Maurice Harker. I'm glad you've taken the time to listen to this podcast. What you're about to listen to is a set of principles that come from the discoveries I've made as a therapist working with married people and people fighting for self-mastery. And so please enjoy what you're listening to. And then when you want more advanced training, look us up at Life Changing Services, especially if you're a married person, check out the Marriage Repair Workshop and the Lazarus Lectures. Enjoy what you listen to. For those of you who are relatively new with this, um, in our first lecture, we set the destination, the goal, where we're trying to get the GPS final destination. I hope all of you have written your first decent draft and you're regularly refining it. This is where you describe the promised land marriage, the marital mission statement, the I have a dream. They're all the same thing. They're just different ways of describing your version of um, how you hope things will be when you get there. All right. So then we, um, in lecture number two, we started clarifying the uh, midpoint along the way of your identity, your ideal self, your best version of you. You're going to need these. So I'm going to keep referring to these because these are going to be anchor points for the next 30 something weeks. So don't think uh, that's a nice idea. How cute Maurice is to come up with clever thoughts. This is like deep anchor stuff. So please be working on it. Now, I have had women who are very responsible personality types say, I can't study lecture three until I finished my marital mission statement. I would, no, no, these are rough drafts. These are not going to be complete for months. So just get them rolling. Just get them rolling and make them happen that way. Last week, we talked a little bit about the um, importance of really solidifying each side of the bridge to keep the bridge from falling. We're going to be building on that theme today. And He's got to be really good at being a man. You've got to be really good at being a woman before you can work on the marriage. So one of the biggest shocks, as I will repeat, for most of my clients coming to me for marriage therapy is the first step to fixing a marriage is to not work on the marriage. We've got to, once a marriage has been pulled off of its foundation and into the river, you have to rebuild the foundations, the pillars on both sides of the bridge before you can build the marriage. So today we're going to talk about the most common pattern of what pulls the marriage into the water again and again and again during the marriage repair process and how to keep that from happening. I want to tell you why it happens and how to keep it from happening. Now, if you need to prepare your rotten tomatoes and cabbages now to throw at me during this conversation, go ahead and do so because I will be saying some things you don't like. And you might even want to argue with me about it. You're welcome to do so. That's a very enjoyable experience. We can argue if that would help you. But you will find that the principles are very true and they work really well. It starts with a validation of a concept that you have been ridiculed for and has been described wrong for many, many years. And that is, this is this instinct, this what I don't know exactly what it's called, that is similar to what geese and whales and ducks and salmon have that has a pull inside of them to get somewhere. It's unstoppable. These salmon will risk being killed by grizzly bears and all sorts of things to get there. 
If you were to ask a salmon, where are you going? I don't know. I just need to get there. The nice thing about being a human with a brain, you actually know where you're trying to get. And you're trying to get things into a celestial state of being. You can hear women hinting at it constantly. Why can't we just be nice? Why can't people just get along? Why can't he just understand this? Everything that you crave unstoppably, you can park a giant truck in front of that locomotive inside of your brain and it will plow right through it. Okay. You want things to be celestial and ain't nobody going to stop you from getting it that way. You've been ridiculed for this. You've been criticized for this. You've been told that you're controlling. You've been told that you are uh, hypersensitive. You've been told all sorts of things. Now, I want to reassure you that I've gained a testimony that this urge, this pull is vital, vital for the human race. As I was discussing with God and saying, can we just tone it down a little bit, you know, just kind of lower the standards a little bit or that spring coil it pulls in that direction is so painful uh, not just for me as a man but i see women in tears i can't even live up to my celestial expectations i'm a hypocrite and a failure i don't know if any of you ever feel like you can't live up to your own expectations not with me isn't that just part of being a woman experience it appears that what would happen to this world if that energy stopped is the whole world would just go to hell your Celestial orientation, your internal drive is a gift slash curse from God that lifts all of us. It lifts you, it lifts me, etc. The problem is, and this is what we're going to address today, is what do you do when it doesn't go that way? What do you do if it's not available to you? What do you do when it ain't going to happen today and you can tell it's not going to happen for a while? So here's what happens usually, well, commonly, is as you feel that we're not going to get there, he's not going to be nice today. We're not going to have family home even today. We're not, it's not going to be the way it's supposed to be. There's a bit of a little subtle satanic sneak in there that piggybacks on it and says, therefore, everything is ruined. And if it's going to happen, you have to make it happen. Once you cross the line, into behaving in a way that contradicts your self-description that you wrote up in lesson two. Once you start to behave contrary to your value system, notice I'm going to repeat that just over and over again. I don't care what he thinks of you. I don't care what your mom thinks of you. I don't care what your sister thinks of you, your neighbor thinks of you, or anybody else. The person we need to be the most loyalty when it comes to character is yourself as it is in relation to your conversations with your God, your relationship with God. So as you've described yourself in your excellent and awesome form, the concerning point is when you step away from your identity to get somebody else to be celestial, to get somebody else to stay motivated, to stay involved, to, to not give up. Because once you cross that line, and we're going to talk in a little bit about why we cross that line, I can almost guarantee that all of you will give me a trigger of something he did or didn't do that caused you to cross your line. I do just fine until he does dot, 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 and then I fall apart. And then I, so just imagine a bridge and Everything's fine until his side starts to fall, and I have no choice be to fall in the river with him because 
he drags me down with him. We have to break that spiral over and over again. We, in my therapy office, I cannot tell you how many times I didn't misbehave until she did this. Well, I didn't misbehave until he did this. Well, I didn't misbehave until she did that. And da 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 back and forth. I sometimes refer to this as the third grade sandbox fight. Well, I wouldn't have thrown sand at him if he hadn't thrown sand at me. Well, I wouldn't have thrown a Tonka truck at her if she hadn't thrown it at me. Now, one of the ways you can check to see if this is an eternal principle is just ask yourself how you would teach it to your children. If your child came to you and say, well, I threw a book at him because he threw a book at me, would you say, well, that's a good idea. Always misbehave when someone else mistreats you. Just hit them with something. Just, just, just do it wrong because they did it wrong. All of you moms have your little quotes, and some of you even have vinyls on your wall to tell your children what to do when somebody else treats them wrong. Is that really a thing? Does do moms have vinyls on the wall? Um, two rights don't make a wrong. That was my mother's. Okay, thanks, mom. Thank you. But two rights make an airplane. I don't know why she kept throwing that one in there. I didn't even understand what she meant by it for years. So for those of you who have read lots of books but are new to my material, I have a very uh, small definition of the word codependency. Codependency is that moment in time or the circumstances where you misbehave because of the other person's behavior. If you misbehave, that means you, my behavior depends on what he does. Whether I behave well or not depends on what he does. That is a classic definition of codependent, especially if it goes back and forth. We need to break that cycle by you living up to your value system which takes creative thinking, which creates a whole new angle. Hello, you've just finished listening to one of our episodes of Memoirs of an LDS Therapist. It's important to me that you have a chance to get more and more of these principles. We kept this brief because you probably have a busy life, but there's so much more. So please listen to the rest of these episodes and look for ways to apply them to your life. And ready f when you're ready for some deep and complex training, please look us up at lifechangingservices.org, specifically the marriage repair workshops and the Lazarus lectures. I look forward to seeing you in those more advanced trainings.